Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So um, let me give you a quick update on uh, the Clausanes in Papua New Guinea. They have been sending out these weekly um, um, update newsletters <coughs> Excuse me, that are great, uh, um, really great to read. In fact, if you're not on that list to get those news- newsletters, get on that list. Um, in fact, if, you, if you'll just check on, or there's no place to check, just write in on your connection card, uh, Clausanes or Papua New Guinea or Pal Tribe or Sign Me Up or whatever you want to write. Uh, and drop it in the basket on the back table, then uh, Jamie will send you a link to how to sign up for that um, that uh, newsletter. But they have, you know, recently, several weeks ago, start, been able to start sharing the gospel because they've got their translation work kind of done there. And, and uh, they've been embedded in this tribe for six, seven, eight years now. And, um, and so sharing the gospel openly, teaching through. And the way they do it is they teach it chronologically. They start way back at the, in the beginning, and they, they teach chronologically through the Scripture until they get to Jesus. And so right now they're at that point where they're uh, going through the whole Moses uh, story and uh, leading the children of Israel to the Promised Land. This next week they're getting ready to teach through the Ten Commandments. A lot of focus on the holiness of God and how we are unable to reach God by our own righteousness, our own, um, um, you know, whether or not we're good boys or good girls doesn't really matter to God because his holiness is so far removed from our idea of holiness. And uh, so they've been teaching through that. But let me just share a couple of paragraphs from the newsletter that, uh, and you'll see the picture up there. You see up above Nate's head where he's teaching, there's those uh, pictures hanging from the ceiling. Uh, Those are actually pictures that, uh, were donated uh, to them by our women's group here that they've been able to use to teach. And they add a, uh, a picture every time they teach a new lesson. And it's kind of a, it kind of portrays something in the Bible. And it's very powerful in helping the, the people remember. Now, this was taken several weeks ago. There are actually a lot more pictures on the ceiling right now. Um, but anyway, so, so that, I mean, that's such a really cool, tangible way that we were able to help out with that. But um, Elizabeth, in this newsletter, writes, On Friday, <laughs> we were almost exactly half, halfway through our teaching time. The attendance fluctuates a bit, but we're seeing that most are coming day after day to hear. On a lighter morning last week, because it was raining, I counted 170 adults, teens, and older kids listening. 170, that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, so, and that was a light day. Uh, some of you are specifically praying for a Powell family uh, daily, and if you are, thank you. This is his work, and it will be by his strength that hearts are drawn to him. And then um, on, uh, later on down in the letter... As uh, they've been uh, sharing, you know, they're sharing, like I said, they teach chronologically. So they haven't got to the Messiah yet. They haven't got to Jesus. They haven't quite reached the good news. They're just laying the foundation of the bad news, right? And so, um, so um, this guy by the name of Kalut, it says, Kalut gave Nate a letter yesterday. This is his own thoughts. And this, this is what he said in his letter. He said, I'm sick and tired of being in Satan's family. I can't wait to hear how to become a part of God's family. Please tell us soon. I love that so much. It says, Nate sat this afternoon with a group of of men on the porch, and they discussed how the pictures we have hung up, uh, the ones that we helped purchase, how the pictures we have hung up are not powerful in themselves. They are just to help people remember. Apparently, some are saying that the pictures themselves have power. Um, And Elizabeth says, I came down as Nate was answering, what are you going to trust in, my strength? And he pointed to his bicep bicep and laughed. if you guys know Nate, there's not a lot of bicep there. And, uh, and so, and then strength, uh, the strength of the pictures, the strength of bones of someone who's been dead for a long time, or the strength of God. And they all laughed and talked together. And when the men left, they said, we want to shake your hand. Thank you. And she says, this kind of effusiveness is not normal in pal culture. And these, these were not kind of yes men type of guys. And so, uh, you know, the work is effective that they're doing. And, uh, and so the way that we have been supporting them, uh, if you don't know, uh, you know, Living Hope gives uh, right, uh, currently 11% of everything that comes into the church goes back out to missions or community uh, works, uh, things like, um, you know, um, uh, church plants in, around Northern California, the teen center, and several missionaries across the world that we support. 3% of everything that you give goes specifically to the Clausanes and the Powell tribe. 
And so, um, anyway, it's just great work. I love partnering with them in the way that we've been able to partner with them. And, and uh, so happy that the work that they're doing is being so effective and that there are people there that are so hungry to hear God's word. It's awesome. It's awesome. So um, let's lift up a quick prayer for the, for the Claw Saints. Father, we love you, and we pray for continued effective ministry uh, for Nate and Elizabeth and their partners in the Powell tribe and that your word would go out in a powerful way. And God, I'm so glad that they are teaching the way that they're teaching and that they are uh, laying the groundwork for uh, our need for a Messiah, for our need for Jesus Christ. And right now, those people are so hungry to hear what the good news is. And so um, continue to dig up and turn up that, that soil of their hearts and uh, prepare it and make it ready uh, for when they finally get to hear all about Jesus and who he is and what he has done for them. And, uh, and so we uh, anxiously await many, many changed lives in the Powell tribe. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're finishing up our Welcome to the Kingdom series today. And uh, without kind of rehashing everything, we've, you know, we've laid this, this groundwork for what the kingdom looks like. Jesus refers to the kingdom a lot in his teaching and, and what, what is, you know, this whole kingdom that we're part of. And we talked about how we are part now of this kind of fractured kingdom because sin entered into the world. Um, the kingdom, God's perfect creation fractured. We live in this fallen, sinful uh, side of the kingdom. And God lives on the other side of the kingdom in a realm that is completely surrounding us, but all outside of our idea of space and time. And uh, one day when Jesus returns, that kingdom will be healed. There will be a reboot of God's creation. Everything will be set back the way God intended. And we will live in uh, that kingdom uh, through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, And so that's where we are. But like we talked about uh, last week, that we are not saved for heaven. We are saved for the kingdom. That God did not uh, save your soul just so someday you could go to heaven. He saved you right for right here, right now, for the kingdom right here, right now that we are a part of. And, and so there is kingdom work uh, to be done. Now, when we talk about the kingdom work that we have to do, we're not talking about somehow working for God so that we can be saved some, or working for God so that he is pleased with us or, has, or shows favor. You know, that we're not talking about coming to Christ or coming to salvation by our works. We're talking about once we have entered into the kingdom of God, his way of life, uh, this, this, this life of following Jesus Christ and believing in him, and being a part of this kingdom right here, right now on this earth, as citizens of that kingdom, there, God has specific roles for each of us. He has work for each of us. He has a, a purpose. It's not just cliche. It's not just something people say. But there is a purpose for your life. And that purpose is found in the kingdom work that God will call you to. And a lot of, uh, for, for you know, I don't know if you're like me, but if God has <clears throat> a purpose for my life, I want to know what that purpose is. I want to know what that work, uh, because if my true fulfillment is found in somehow in that work, again, I want to know what that is uh, because I want to be doing that work. I want to feel like my life is for something, that there there is purpose behind it. And so as we we, we kind of go through life trying to figure out that purpose, we talked about a few few weeks ago that... um, that because we live on this side of the kingdom in this fallen, broken, sinful world, there's a general sense of unrest amongst all of us. And I'm not just talking about Christians. I mean humans across the world, worldwide. You're not going to find a human that generally thinks everything in the world is as it should be because it's just not. There is, a, there is an unrest amongst us. Uh, for us that are followers of Jesus Christ, There's an unrest amongst us knowing that there are people outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ when a relationship is freely offered to them. And we want desperately for for people to be able to have that relationship with God. That he has made a way for us to be reunited with him and live in relationship with him. And it breaks my heart to know that there are people in the world outside of that relationship. People in our community, our own neighbors, our own family members. Um, that are outside of that relationship. 
That should, it stirs something up in us. It stirs something up in us. Um, on a larger scale, even people outside the church, there, there's a sense among us of so much injustice in the world. So much injustice from, I mean, just this week, um, story after story of, of just shockingly violent things that are happening around the world and around our country, and, and um, it's not right. It's not right. It breaks our heart to hear of that stuff. It's got to where it's painful to uh, turn on the news or read news stories, you know, online or whatever, because the, the news is often so dark. So dark. Um, and injustice pervades everything. And it goes beyond just war and violence and things like that to um, so many other things. And we've talked about that, you know, where we have, I can, I can turn on, I don't know, half a dozen different spigots in my house that will spit out clean water. I can do it all at once and waste as much water as I want. And there are some right now who don't have access to one clean drop of water. That's not right. That's not right. That's not a small thing. That, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a fixable, you guys know that's a fixable problem, right? Like that's a fixable problem. And yet it's not fixed. Like this is not, we're not living in the dark ages here. I mean, this is, we're living in the time of the Jetsons. We should all have clean water and flying, flying cars right now, right? I mean, it's, it, it, that's not right. That's not right at all. It's a fixable issue. Um, it, you know, that there are places not only in this country, but all over the world where young girls are sold into sexual slavery. You know, as, as a dad of young girls, that, that turns my stomach, turns my stomach. That's not right. It's not, I mean, there's a darkness in that, that it's hard to even, even to comprehend. And thank God for people who are working to bring justice in, in that area of life. And there's so many, so many other things. I mean, just even in our own country. I mean, I'm going to make, make a statement here. I don't mean it's going to come, come across political. I don't mean it political. It's just an observation. Uh, but you guys do know there was a time in this country when a person could work a 40-hour week and support their family. That's not the case anymore. For a lot of people, that's not the case. That's not right. That's, that's not, that's not that, I mean, I don't care... What, what your, where your politics are, how you slice that, that's not right. That there's jobs out there that a person can work 40 hours and still not pay their bills. It's not right. I could list thing after thing after thing after thing. There's so much about this world that's not right. And people all around it, I mean, again, this, this goes beyond boundaries of faith. I mean, this, it's, it's evident to the entire world. Saved or lost, it doesn't matter. Everybody can see it. There's also issues of kind of ugliness in this world. Ugliness, where, you know, just the physical world around us is in a constant state of either pollution or just natural decay. Just natural decay. And we, as uh, children of God, one of the purposes placed on our life is to be caretakers of this planet. That's an actual purpose. That's not liberal mumbo-jumbo. That's a biblical purpose for all of us is to be caretakers of God's creation. Not exploiters, but caretakers. And we see so much around us that has just fallen into ugliness. And um, it's disturbing to a lot of us. It really is. It's disturbing. Um, that's what things look like on this side of the kingdom. <clears throat> now, do you guys realize that there are a lot of people out there outside of faith in Jesus Christ, outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, people that we would term uh, traditionally as lost, that are doing tremendous work? I mean, tremendous work. There are people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that are out actively, passionately solving the problems of this world, trying to bring justice where there is no justice, trying to bring beauty where there's ugliness, um, you know, trying to bring meaning to people's lives, in lots of different ways. There are people, good, well-meaning people out there doing great work. And, um, and oftentimes, it's got, it's got to the point to where a lot of times, some of the uh, answers to the questions of this broken, fallen world are being come up with more from people outside the church than they are from people inside the church. 
And that in itself is jacked up. That in itself is completely jacked up. But there's a lot of well-meaning people doing a lot of really great work out there. But the purpose of all this is not just simply work. There's a greater purpose to our work than just simply doing good things. Let me, let me read this passage to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> Start with verse 2. And Paul says this, We give thanks to God always for all of you. <coughs> Constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father. Listen to this. He's, this is what he's remembering. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your work, your labor, your steadfastness, your hope. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has, say it with me, chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Verse 6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and in Achaia, basically where you live, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. That is a beautiful picture. That passage that we just read is this beautiful picture of disciple-making, which we talked about several months ago. This idea of disciple-making, that, that Paul goes into an area, he makes disciples who then go out and make disciples, who then go out and make disciples, who then go out and make more disciples, who then go out and make more disciples, all the way to 2014, and you heard the gospel because somebody back then was sharing the gospel. And we are all disciples of Jesus Christ now, because someone decided to be a disciple maker. And it's this, again, this, this, this gorgeous picture of what happens when the gospel really gets a hold of somebody's life. But what he describes here when he's describing that work or earlier on in the, uh, about the third verse where he's saying, um, you know, I'm remembering your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. In other words, this work that you're doing is grounded in love. It's grounded in faith. It's grounded in hope. It's grounded in, are you ready? A relationship. It's grounded in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the point that you need to remember about work, that the relationship informs and elevates the work that we do. A relationship with Jesus Christ informs, in other words, tells you what the work you should be doing, gives the call to you, but makes you feel chosen, if it were, as that passage says, and then not only calls you to that work, but elevates that work to something that is greater than just simply good deeds and work. It becomes what we've been talking about for the past five weeks, kingdom work, kingdom work. And we are called to this kingdom work. And when, I, when we talk about kingdom work, what we're talking about is this, that when God places a calling on your life and tasks you to do something, to contribute to his kingdom, and you are informed by that call, and you say yes to that call, and that call then becomes elevated to just simply, to beyond simple good deeds, to actual kingdom work, that what I believe and what I believe the scripture teaches is that work that we do lasts beyond us. It has eternal implications. It's kingdom building that is actually building the kingdom that will eventually come when Jesus Christ returns. That the good works, the kingdom works that we do, informed by, elevated by the Holy Spirit, are works that will last far beyond us. And that is great, incredible news. It's great, incredible news. And this happens in so many different ways. So many different ways. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give you, there's basically like three categories of ways that it happens and thousands of ways under those categories. And so let me, let me hit those three categories first. 
kingdom citizens, as a citizen of this kingdom, these are the kind of things you're going to work at. First of all, you're going to work at disciple making. There's a call on every one of us as, as followers of Jesus Christ to also be making disciples who are followers of Jesus Christ, who are then making disciples who are followers of Jesus Christ, so that this faith continues and multiplies and grows and grows and grows. And all those people responding to God's call in their life then do work that is informed and elevated and, and kingdom eternal, lasting work. And we do that work, so we're disciple makers. Some of you are very gifted at this. It's very natural for you to share your faith, to kind of uh, evangelize people around you or, or, or uh, invite people to, to church where they can hear a clear presentation of the gospel or, or, or you're bold enough to give that clear presentation yourself and just share the hope that's in you. Some of you comes natural. Whether it comes natural for you or not, though, the calling is still on every single one of our lives. And you may be thinking... Um, yeah, but you know, it makes me a little nervous to think about being a disciple maker because I know that I'm not much of a disciple myself. And can I just tell you that puts you in the best position to be a disciple maker? It puts you in the best position. Why? Because God is not looking for superheroes. He's looking for broken vessels who will simply place themselves in his hands and be used. And we are all broken, jacked up, busted vessels. Every one of us, we've got issues, we've got baggage, we've got things, we've got, I mean, we, we've got stuff in our lives that we have not figured out yet. We've got, we've got stuff in our lives. I don't care who you are in this room, you've got something in your life right now that is probably kicking your butt. There's not one person in this room that is just sitting here victorious over everything. Every single one of us have something in your life that is just kicking your butt right now, whether it's a temptation, whether it's another person, <laughs> whether, don't, don't look around, keep eyes, eyes straight, <laughs> eyes straight, whether, whether it's a certain, you know, a circumstance, uh, you know, with your, with your income or a broken relationship or, a, you know, a whatever, a fear and anxiety, whatever it could be, there's, every single one of us has something. And when we take our broken, jacked up lives and we place them in God's hands and we say, God, you know how broken I am. You know how jacked up I am. You know how this thing in my life is kicking my butt right now. Um, but I want you to use me. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. But whatever it is, you call me. I'll do my best to say yes to that call. And I'm just going to lean in hard to you and, let, and let, you, let you use me. And that's when God uses us. That's when God takes, his, takes these broken vessels and, and, and uses them in incredible, incredible, mighty ways. Disciple made the kingdom citizens will also be working at justice. That there is a call on our lives to go out and bring justice to this world. There's a call in our lives to go out and in tangible, real, felt needs kind of way bring uh, God's kingdom into this world. Through things like digging wells. Through things like standing up for and being a voice for people who have no voice. Through things like um, uh, you know, standing up and offering services for someone who can't provide those services for themselves. There are all kinds of different things. There, there, is a, 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 there are ways that we are called all the time to acts of justice. I hear your stories often. You guys are constantly texting me, emailing me, Facebooking me about all these stories and, and telling me the ways that God has been using me. And, and I, I can tell you that there are people in this church that are being used in ways that, that are so beautiful, unimaginably beautiful, that you'll never see standing up here. That you'll never know they're doing it behind the scenes. But they are serving their community. They're serving their God. They're serving their neighbors and their family members. They're serving people around the world quietly, faithfully. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Which brings me to the next thing. That God's going to call you to bring beauty to this world. God's going to call you to bring beauty to this world. We are in a world that's, that's desperately, in, more and more every day, in need of beauty. And when God can call you to, and kind of make you passionate about caring for his creation, or bringing beauty into the world through through art, through music, through all kinds of things like that that are just amazing. Creativity. 
I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer that the church should be a breeding ground for kingdom creativity. That, that, that art should find a place in the house of God. That beauty should find a place in the house of God in such a way that it doesn't just stay cooped up in the house of God, but instead it makes the community all around it even more beautiful. You guys know that beauty has been cut from our budgets. I mean, for, for some of us that are adults, that I mean, we grew up in a time when, when beauty was a part of the curriculum. When we were taught things like art and music and creativity and drama and things like that, and as much as we were taught reading and writing and arithmetic, all, all, the, all the core stuff, that was also a part of that core curriculum and no more. Nowadays, if you go into our, our Dixon schools, if there's going to be beauty, it has to be started by the kids themselves and taught by them. And we need to be a people who are out and about bringing beauty back into this world. Amen? Amen. Now, I can tell you, like I said, this happens in a thousand different ways. In a thousand different ways. And it happens within our congregation in hundreds of different ways. Let me, let me just share with you just a few examples. Um, and I'm so proud of this. And again, not a political statement, just a statement. That uh, in this coming election, we have, uh, I believe, two living hopers that have, are going into the political fray. It's not an endorsement of those guys. They may be complete jerks outside of this church. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm proud, and I've talked to these guys, that, that, they have, that they are entering into that political fray prayerfully uh, with some sense that, that this is what they are called to do. Um, again, I'm not telling you who to vote for. You vote your conscience, whatever. But, but, but Scott Peterson, Devin Minima, I'm so proud that there are living hopers that said, that felt that call in their life, responded to that call and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Win or lose, I'm going to do this. That, that's a beautiful thing. Again, not an endorsement of those guys. I don't endorse uh, guys from, from the pulpit. That's not my purpose here. I'm saying I'm proud that we have living hopers that see a need in our community and say, okay, I want to try to do something to fix that. That's a beautiful thing, is it not? Uh, we need more people that would step up and do that. I'm proud that, that we have living hopers that on a very regular basis will step up and coach a sports team and use those connections as kingdom connections, as kingdom building connections, not only to make our, our, our community a more beautiful place and a, a healthier place, but also to do a little disciple making in the process. I, I love seeing that all the time. I'm proud that we have living hopers that see needs around our community and will step up and try to fill those needs in order to, in a way that brings so much beauty to this community and around the world. I'm proud that we have living hopers that will step up and, and hear a call uh, placed by God on their life to go across an ocean to serve a people and to serve a God uh, far from home. And we have people stepping up and doing that on a regular basis. That is, I'm, I'm so proud that, that we have legitimate, eternal kingdom work being done right here within, the, within this body of believers. That's a beautiful thing, is it not? It, it truly is. And this is what I want, want you to get, that the kingdom work that, you, that God will call you to, it's not always going to look like missions. It's not always going to look like preaching or teaching. It's not always going to look like uh, you know, worship leading or, or, or maybe some of the more kind of high-profile uh, things within the church. You know what it might look like? It might look like God calling you to begin to lead your family in a way that's more glorifying to him. And can you imagine the implications, the kingdom, the eternal implications by you stepping up as a man or as a woman and beginning to lead your family in a way that glorifies him and you change your heritage to where the gospel is being passed down from generation to generation from generation starting with your generation. That's kingdom work. It could look like you um, working in a way at your job that is not the normal way that people at your job work. A way that is full of character and integrity and kingdom values. A way that uh, Jesus would work your job if he had your job. It could mean that, uh, uh, that you begin to share your faith in a way that is bolder than you've ever shared it before. Not not offensive, not um, um, 
uh, intrusive, but just simply when the opportunity comes and the Spirit leads, you begin to open up your mouth and talk about the hope that's in you instead of just uh, shuffling away uh, quietly. It could mean so many different things. It could mean you volunteering in your community. It could be you taking care of that neighbor who so desperately needs someone to care for them. It could mean you offering forgiveness to someone who does not deserve it at all. You know what? I know good and well there are people in this room right now because I know people. God-following, God-fearing people in this room right now. You've got someone in your life that you think, I'll never forgive that person. That's a whole other sermon. I'll let you preach it to yourself. But the kind of work that we are called to is not always flashy. Sometimes it's just incorporated into the everyday work of our life. But this is what I'll tell you. The kind of work that God will call you into is oftentimes uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Stretching. Things that make you, I mean, think God will call you to things that your first reaction will be something to the effect of, oh, that's not really me. Or, oh, I, I don't have the money to do that. Or, you know, I mean, excuses will just start filling your head. And what I want for living hopers is that we have the posture in this kingdom that God has put us in, that is that when our king calls upon us, calls upon us for service to him, our immediate response is, I'm at your service. I'm at your service, whatever you need me to do. You need me to do something hard, something I think it's impossible for me to do? Okay, I'll probably stink at it, but I'll do it. And you step up and you, and you do. And this is what happens. God provides where he calls. God does not call you to a place or to a task that he will not also equip you for that place and that task. God provides. God provides. Look at this, um, this next verse. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. <clears throat> Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is, everybody say it, not in vain. Not in vain. That your work, your labor is not in vain. That the things that God calls you to do have eternal implications. What was it Jesus said? He said, um, store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moss and rust can't, can't destroy. And there's this idea that when we focus on the things of God, rather than focus, focusing on ourselves or maybe what is the common knowledge of the things that we should uh, store up and save and things like that, instead, if we focus on the things of God... You, guys, do you want to you know one of the reasons I uh, tithe? And so many of you, I know, tithe. You want to know one of the reasons? Can I be honest? It's a little bit of a selfish reason. Because I'm investing in my future. I believe that. I believe everything I give to God is being stored up for me somewhere. I believe it. I believe it has eternal implications. You know, you know why I do good things? It's not because I love people. <laughs> I wish it was because I love people. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm storing up stuff for myself later on. <laughs> I'm storing up stuff. So if you're like me and like compassion is not one of your natural gifts, it's okay, do it anyway. Just store it up for yourself later. Store it up for yourself later. I, I believe that. I believe the stuff that we do now for the kingdom, the called, the informed task, the elevated task, kingdom work that God calls us to, it, it goes with us into the, into the kingdom that is healed and, and that will eventually be revealed when Jesus comes. I believe that. Why? Because our labor is not in vain. It's not for nothing. It has eternal implications. It will come back to us. We are storing up for our future that we have in Christ. And I'm going to do that work. This is what I believe. When you do that kingdom work, big or small, serving one p- person or or, or digging a well for thousands, whatever that looks like, when you're doing that kingdom work, I believe somehow that that is actually building up this kingdom. 
Now, God doesn't need us to build his kingdom. God can build his kingdom all on his own. You know what's beautiful? Put up that next slide. This. God lovingly involves us in his kingdom restoration, and our contributions will matter. Our, he, he, he doesn't need us to build his kingdom, but he wants us to join with him in the building of his kingdom. And when we build this kingdom together, I believe it, it's, what, it's what will kind of help the fractured kingdom heal, that the work we're doing here and the, God, the restoration work God will eventually do to make all things new, it'll all come together. And that work that we have done will have, built the king, have, have helped build the kingdom that we will eventually inhabit. I believe that. It's kind of like this. If, 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 if a, a, an architect sets out, sets out to, to build a large, beautiful uh, building, piece of property here in this town, and he draws up the plan and the designs and everything, and th- then he reaches out and he tasks one person. He says, I need you to, I need you to supply the, the lumber for this project. I need you to, to make sure all the electrical work is done in this project. I need you to... Fill the building full of beautiful art. But I need you to take care of the landscaping around the building. And he calls people in. He is still in control. He is still the designer. It's still ultimately his project. But he is bringing in other people to help build up this project. In the same way, God in the building of his kingdom reaches out to all of us. Reaches out to all of us. Now, get this. This just hit me. This, This just hit me. Imagine for a second you entering into the kingdom of God someday as a follower of Jesus Christ, entering into, you know, our eternal reward and looking around and seeing all this kingdom building that happened here on this side, all the ways that people contributed to the building of this kingdom and that God eventually put it all together and restored and healed this kingdom in a way that only God can. And imagine all... Through your mind, everything that's running through your mind is all the things that the designer, that the architect had tasked you to do that you said no to as you stand and look out on this kingdom. I don't know about you, but it actually excites me to think about coming into our eternal reward someday, that healed, that restored kingdom, and being able to look, and look around and see how the work I did on this side had meaning, had meaning because I was informed by God and because God took that work and he elevated that work. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Your work that you do as a citizen of the kingdom now matters, matters. So when God places that call on your life, when you are chosen for a specific task, be the type of follower of his that will say, yes, I don't know how, but yes, yes. Now, this also has implications for us as collectively as a church. Because we are all called as a part of this family, this, this body of believers. And we, and the reason God has, <coughs> excuse me, the reason God has placed you in this family is because there is work that we can do collectively that we can't do separately. Now, your, the, your individual work is just as important, but there is work that we can collectively do as a family that you can't do all by yourself. And that's why one of the reasons it's so important for us to come together. And you've, you guys have been hearing so long, you know, several months now about us talking about uh, wanting to get into a space of our own, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a headquarters. Again, the people are the church, the building's not the church, but we want a physical building, a presence in this town that that will serve as a headquarters for us, that will serve as a stronghold in this community for the advancement of making disciples and bringing about justice and bringing about beauty in this community. We want that in this town. The last Tuesday, this last Tuesday, was the 13th anniversary of Living Hope Church. This church has been around for 13 years now. It's awesome. Awesome. Now, some of you have been here since the very beginning. A few of you have been here since the very, very beginning. And when this church was started, it was started with this idea of, we want to do that. We want to see God's word go out powerfully and effectively in this community right here where we live. Yeah, we could go to church in Vacaville. Yeah, we could go to church in Davis or drive to Sacramento and find a decent church or whatever. But we want 
to see God's kingdom built, built right here in our community, in our community. And we pray that prayer for every other church in this town. We, we are, the, the churches in this town are not, not our competition. Get that. The churches in this town are not our competition. We have an enemy, but it's not the other churches in this town. Okay? And we, as we pray for the gospel to go out in strong and powerful and effective ways from Living Hope Church, we also lift up prayers that it goes out from all the other churches in town and that we all grow and that we all become stronger. Why? Because when those other churches in this town become stronger, it makes us stronger too. When our church becomes stronger, it makes them stronger too. Because ultimately, we're all in this together. We're not put in Dixon to go and be living hoper makers. We are put here to be disciple makers. And we'll let God sort out what family they settle into. But we'll make disciples. We'll make disciples. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, that got that out of the way. Now, our role, we're passionate about it. We're passionate about it. We believe we create a unique presence um, in this town that no other congregation um, um, presents. And that's not a dig on any other congregation. They're creating a unique presence in this town that that we don't uh, meet. They're able to reach people that we're not able to reach. We're able to reach people because of our DNA and our makeup that they're not able to reach. That's what makes the kingdom beautiful, all those differences and everything. That's why we need multiple families, multiple churches, okay? But as we create that unique um, vision, that unique uh, type of church here in this town, and we go out and we do a work that is led, empowered by, informed by, elevated by the Holy Spirit, uh, we believe that, and this was the vision from the very beginning, we believe that ultimately we want a, not only a spiritual presence in this town, not only a um, bodily, uh, you know, membership, you know, human presence in this town. We also want a kind of physical presence in this town that, that again, will be a, a beachhead for the kingdom, that will be a, a stronghold where, where saints are equipped, where they're sent out, where people can come for healing, where people can come for community, where we can... Uh, do ministry all week long, anytime we choose or, or feel because uh, we don't have the constraints that we maybe have here uh, in a facility that's not our own, even though this is a facility that God blessed us with and we're thankful for it. We believe he is ready for us to move on to something else. So you, you've heard us mention several times, uh, you know, be praying for this property, be praying for that property. And let me tell you where we are right now. Where we are right now is, and I'm just going to be brutally honest, we cannot make a move until our financial situation changes. We cannot make a move. Barring a, a straight-up miracle from God, we cannot make a move until our financial... It'd be the exact same situation as if you or your family were getting ready to purchase a home for yourself. You go out and purchase a home. You, you guys that have been through that process, you know you've got some work to do before you can purchase that home. You've got to pay off some debt. You've got to get together a down payment. You got to, you know, maybe clean up your credit record. You got to do all that kind of stuff. The same, the situation is similar with us. Now, we don't have credit problems or debt or anything like that. But what we need is um, money and savings and greater regular giving on a weekly basis, too, to support what we believe God is calling us to do. And so in January, we're going to roll out a project that we're calling Project Hope. Project Hope is going to be an initiative that you're going to hear for the next year of us getting ourselves, of us doing the, the necessary preparation work for us to get to that place that we believe God is calling us to. And come January, there's going to be a, a day where you're going to be challenged to, to make some sort of commitment. I'm not going to tell you what that commitment looks like for you, but what I want you to do is to begin to do what Jamie and I have been doing for some time now, and that is just simply begin now to pray, God, what is the commitment that you would have for me? What is the sacrifice that you would call uh, from for me? Because uh, can I tell you, there's not been one church ever in the history of churches that was started without sacrifice. Not one. Not one. You go back in the history of any church, and there will be a, a group of people that believed in it and sacrificed for the vision of that church. 
and you are here for such a time as this. You're here for such a time as this. We're all here for such a time as this. So begin now to pray. Now, this is how I want you to pray. I don't want you to look at your financial situation and, and say, honey, what do you think we can afford to do? That's not what I want you to do. I want you to look to God and say, Father, what would you have me do? That's a whole different conversation. And it's a scary one. I'm going to tell you it's a scary one. Because what Jamie and I have found is as we've started out praying, God, what is it that you would have us to give? What's the number? Put a number in our head. What would you have us to give? God's given us scary numbers. Scary numbers. Not like, oh, yeah, I see that. No, like, okay, God, you've got to show up if that's going to happen. Scary numbers. But this is what I know. And, if, and this is where we kind of put our faith where, where our pocketbook is. I don't know how to put that. This is what I know. Just like we said earlier, God will, where he calls you to, he will also provide for you. And what is a scary number for Jeff and Jamie is pocket change to God Almighty. Pocket change to God Almighty. What is ultimately what we need to get out of this building and into a facility that's all our own that can be our new headquarters, that ultimate big number is pocket change to God Almighty. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin now, right now, here in September. Pray now, God. What is it that you would challenge me to give? What is, and then give me the faith to say yes to that call. Give me the faith. And it's not only a, guys, it's not only a financial issue. It's also a time issue. It's also a service issue. God, in order for this church to become what you have called and ordained for this church to be, what would you have me contribute of my time, of my talents, and of my treasure? What would you have me contribute? And just, that's all I'm asking you to do right now. Just begin the process of praying. Pray. Now, some of you, some of you are already scared to pray that prayer because you guys know what God will tell you to do. You guys know, no, God, you know, God's like a, God's a go big or go home type of guy, God, okay? But this is what, this is what I want from this Project Hope as we, and the reason we're calling this Project Hope is because that's what God has placed us here to be, is the hope to this community. The hope. I believe the church is the hope of the world. And I believe Living Hope Church is the hope of Dixon and the surrounding area. And he has called us to be that hope. And what I want to see happen over the next year or so as we focus in on this, this Project Hope, what I want to see happen is not only do we get healthier financially as a church and, and, and position ourselves to where we can go where God wants us to go, but I want to see your faith grow exponentially. And you know how your faith grows exponentially? Is when you step out and you take a step towards God Faith is this, this little idea of taking one step towards God, not knowing what the next step he wants you to take is. Not knowing what the next step is. And what I want to see is story after story after story across the board of people in this con- congregation who stepped up and said, okay, God, I don't know how, but I, I feel you impressing this upon me. I don't know how, but I'll say yes, and then trust you to provide And when you start to see God show up in ways that you didn't expect, you know what's going to happen? Your faith is going to go through the roof. Your faith is going to go through the roof. But it's that principle. You know, we've talked about this principle before of of, of when your kids give you birthday gifts, you know, that whole story. It's like, you know, your kids want to give you a birthday gift, but you have to give them the money to give you the gift, you know. That's the way that works. So, So they come to you and they, oh, Dad, I really want to get you this thing. And, uh, but it costs us much money and everything. And so you give them the money then to go out and buy the gift to give back to you. And that is exactly what this scenario is. This is not manipulation. This is not anything else. I know if, if this is your first time in church, you're like, oh, okay, here comes the big plea for money. That's not what this is about. This is about you stepping up to your heavenly father saying, I really want to give you this gift. Can I get you this gift? And your heavenly father saying, okay, here you go. And you go and get the gift and you bring it back to him. And what he called you to do for him, he will equip you to do for him. 
what gift he challenges you to give, he will actually give the gift to you for you to give back to him. That's an awesome God, is it not? That's an awesome God. So begin now to pray, Father, what would you have me to give? What would you have me to give? And see what God says. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, once again, your word is good to us. And we're thankful that you call us to meaningful kingdom work, eternal work that lasts with us and beyond us. And so, God, as we try to join in with you to build your kingdom, God, I pray that you would make clear to us the callings that you place on our life, whether big or small, whether just kind of simple, everyday uh, type, uh, even often mundane feeling callings, or a big, out-of-the-box, really faith-stretching calling, whatever they are that you place on our lives, God, make us the type of people that are faithful, that are steadfast, that will lean into you even when we are fearful, that will lean into you even when we don't see how it's going to happen, and just trust you to equip where you've called. God, for those in the room that are outside of faith, outside of a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would through a relationship with you, help them find that meaning in their life that they've been searching for. Help them find that peace in their life that they've been searching for and begin the process of of, uh, making them citizens of your kingdom, God. And so help them right now to lean towards you and just simply say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for seeing me as holy when I am far from it. Thank you for making a way for me to be in relationship with God Almighty. Begin the process of of following you, becoming citizens of the kingdom that you've placed us in. God, inform our work, elevate our work. We want to build your kingdom with you. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's good. Amen. Amen. So here, but one, one last thing before we go. Um, you guys know several months ago we sent uh, Kevin Brown and Marissa Lee to Australia. They're doing mission work uh, in Australia. Kevin also did some mission work in uh, uh, India. And uh, just been, they have, great, have been hearing great stories. God is really doing amazing things uh, in them and through them. Uh, Kevin's trip is coming to an end. He'll, he should be home in a few weeks. Um, and and uh, then, as of now, he kind of plans to eventually go back, but, but it's time for him to come home right now. Um, and so I talked to him last night, and he, uh, has, he is still about $400 short of being able to buy his plane ticket home. And I told Kevin that his church would bring him home, not to worry another moment about it. And so, um, so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just take your cash out of your pockets. And up here, I would normally have a nice pretty bowl or something, but I couldn't find anything. And so as a step of faith, I'm setting this out. And uh, just whatever you have, dump it in here, and let's get it to Kevin so he can come home. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll bring him home, and I'm sure he's going to uh, just uh, contribute to our ministry in even more incredible ways as he's grown so much in his faith. And uh, so bring Kevin home. Uh, you're dismissed to this bucket, okay? All right.